0: In some ways, it, it's probably good to, to do an introductory kind of thing to set this whole series up. Um, for, for this series of messages, prepositions are going to be important. So l- let me just tell you where the things are going to fold out from here in these next four Sundays. And I realize there are five Sundays in August. So I may have to do a, a reprise or else see where else we go. But uh, I, I've kind of entitled this series, kind of living life on the run, and uh, a couple things. One, um, uh, you will be able to find somewhere, uh, either Facebook or where, where do you post like study outlines and stuff? Website, Frank? Uh, email. Email. Okay. <clears throat> well, you should. Be, you will receive. If you're on the email chain list or whatever, uh, the copy of the outline that we'll go over a bit today. And also, uh, you'll have uh, another document that I simply call drill down questions. They are, they are things to just kind of think about. It might be helpful for you uh, in this series of Jonah, either as a family or maybe with a friend, to do some interactive connecting. Uh, and, and, and there are questions just to kind of reflect on each chapter. So those are available. Those will come out as well. So just an whole process. Um, when you think about the book of Jonah, you think that it, oftentimes the, the title of the book is, is, is focusing on the name of the person who's writing the book. So, so in theory, you think... This ought to be a story about Jonah, and it is. But it's more than that. The book is really about God more than anything else. Jonah is the character, of course. When you think of Jonah, you think of the whale, although it wasn't really a whale. It was a great fish, is what the scriptures say. But the the fish is mentioned four times. When you think of Jonah, you think about that heathen city, Nineveh. But Nineveh is mentioned nine times. Jonah is mentioned 18 times, but God is mentioned 38 times. The story of Jonah is more about God than it is about Jonah. But there are life lessons that we pick up. We're so much like Jonah at times that it's a bit scary. Uh, There's a little bit of Jonah in all of us and a lot of Jonah in most of us. We're going to look a little bit about that. So let me just give give you just a quick intro piece and then we'll turn to the PowerPoint just as the the tracks on which we're going to run. The first thing I would tell you about Jonah is it's a true story. I know I know we talk about fish stories, you know. The the one that got away here. The guy said I I caught a fish that was this big over here, you know. So things get exaggerated at times. But contrary to the critics and the skeptics, the story is recorded as a sober historical truth. That is there really was a man named Jonah who really did flee to Tarshish, who really was swallowed whole by a great fish, who really did survive for three days in the fish's belly, who actually was uh, projected up onto dry ground. I could say vomited, but that, that that's true too. It's all true just the way it was written in terms of the record in the book of this by the prophet. It's not a myth, it's not a legend, it's not a saga, uh, or a fable, or a parable. It's a story, it's a true story. We can date the book to about mid-8th century BC, 765, during the days of Jeroboam II, who was one of the kings of Israel. And Jonah comes from a particular town in the northern part of Israel, and Jonah was a country boy and raised in a rural area and grew up in a poor family from everything that we gather from the Old Testament history record as well as the book of Jonah. So it's a true story. The other thing that I wanted just as an intro on this book is it, it's a short story. And that doesn't mean the sermon's going to be short. You understand that. There's no, no necessary correlation at that point. But it's a short story. There's only 40, four chapters, 48 verses, 1,300 words, you can read it in about 15 minutes, go right through it, and yet it tells us everything we need to know. It's balanced, it's deep, it's profound, and the book opens a window into the heart of God. I said that uh, prepositions are going to be important. Jonah chapter 1 is talking about living on life on the run In terms of running from God, Jonah chapter 2 is talking about Jonah now turning around and running to God. We'll focus on his prayer in the second chapter. The third chapter, he finally gets his act together and he's going and he's running with God in terms of going to this great city, Nineveh. And then when things don't go like he thinks they ought to go, we find him running ahead of God when he begins to complain. So that's where we're going, just so you know. 1, 2, 3, 4, chapters 1, 2, 3, 4. Today, life on the run from God. It's a revealing story also. Most of us, one time or another, have taken a ship to Tarshish. One way or another. It's been some been something we've done. We, we know what it means to go and run the other direction, whether it's a rumba or whatever it is, uh, zumba or whatever that. Machine is that does your floor,, moment, whatever. Uh, it, it, it has a tendency to be a, have a mind of its own. And it's amazing how creative God can be to keep his great grace pursuing us and trying to draw us back to himself with uh, great chords of love. it's It's a minor prophet we describe it as, but there's really only one prophecy in the book. We'll get to that in course of time. Uh, It's a book about Jonah and God, more about God than it is so much about Jonah. Uh, So I want to read the scripture uh, this morning. I'm going to read it from the ESV, uh, and yet uh, I This is my NIV Bible, preaching Bible, and so I'll probably get back into that. But the language would be very similar. So follow along with me as I read, and I think there we go. Now we're we're good. So, Jonah chapter 1, beginning at the very first verse. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out or cry out against it, for their evil has come up before me. They said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What are you? What, what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, To get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, "O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done it; have, have done as it pleased you." So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And made vows, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That's an amazing story, and I think today what I'm going to do is I'm going to award a prize over here today uh, for the application point. That's only if you guys know how to share. Okay, all right, all right, guys are good. So, so. So, Jonah chapter 1, a life on the run, running from God. And even as you listen to the story, Oh, you're welcome, bless you, honey. Good, good, good. Yeah. Yes. Um, even as you listen to the story, at least, at least when I listen to the story, I, my mind already goes to the shoulda, coulda, would woulda's thing, the, the application points, you know, you say, Jonah gets the job and says, "God says I want you to go here." And he says, oh, "I think I'm going to go that way." And so he takes it a little different direction. You begin to think about what a dummy, you know. What? How is it that that you know he, he works that way? You know why is it that you just those are those are for the boys, They're not to be shared with your family. That's all. Okay. All right. Usually life has us on the run. Things to attend to, appointments to keep, obligations to meet, sites to see. The list seems endless. And sometimes we'd like to stop the world and get off for a little while. And it seems like it's only gotten worse. I know when we had a family and uh, began to, as they grow up, they get involved with activities. And pretty soon the car engine never gets cold. You know, it's just always warm because it's going one place or another. And all of those kinds of things. It just seems like life is on the run. And we are all on a journey in life, and God is inviting us to allow him to direct that journey. But we don't always get it right. I think Renee mentioned that. The the things sometimes don't always get it right. We don't always get it right. But God still keeps inviting us and calling us to be... uh, moving toward his direction. Jonah didn't get it right. We don't always get it right. So there's hope and there's help for us. We're going to observe him today running from God. In this, we see the pitfalls of running, and here's the word. The word is disobedience. So we're dealing with obedience, disobedience issues today. Do you always do what you're supposed to do? Oh, I have to tell you, when I was growing up and as a young person, I was involved with Youth for Christ in Bible Quizzing, and uh, this was back in the mid '60s. That's a long while. Okay, so and and we each year we would have Saturday night rallies at Youth for Christ, and and uh, then we'd have uh, uh, Bible Quizzing things that were part of the rally and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, whole another model of things we we did things then. But uh, I, be, I was part of a team. And, and then, and then our, our area, Western Pennsylvania, uh, at that point, uh, region, would, would compete at their International Bible Quiz Finals in Ocean City, New Jersey. We'd go down and had a big pier that went out into the ocean, and, and it just we'd, we'd stay at a flop house. I don't, And that's what we were told it was. So I don't know what a flop house is. It probably sounds a little bit risque. But anyway, it was just a place where you could— flop for the night, you know, crash, you know. And uh, so then we'd go through the Bible quiz finals. kind of. The year, uh, one year when we went there, I can't remember. I think we were quizzing on Genesis um, or something like that. But but they had a a speaker uh, and and a musician that was with him. And uh, his name was uh, Theron Spur and Harold Babcock. Theron Spur was the musician. Harold Babcock was the preacher. And I remember they, they preached some stuff on Jonah, but I don't remember the sermon, but I do remember some of the song, just the chorus. And I tried to find this thing, and I could not find it anywhere. But the chorus of it goes like this. When God tells you what to do, you better do it. You better do it, you better do it. It doesn't pay to disobey. That's all there's to it, like old Jonah, you'll find out the hard, hard way that was the chorus and and I remember I can't remember I couldn't find the words to it, but uh, I remember that I remember the tune. it just had one of those lilty kind of songs. So I, but I remember I, that that chorus stuck in my head. When God tells you what to do, you better do it. But the reality is that sometimes we don't do exactly what we are told to do. Uh, last night, we sat around a bonfire. Our family, my son and daughter-in-law were in and are in uh, and uh Then we did this bonfire next door at our daughter and son-in-law's. It's kind of family kind of thing, and we socially distanced and everything. You know, we had a lot of chairs, and we just, you know, not that we were worried about that part, but but uh, my one grandson came out uh, and brought uh, some uh, cleaning product to wipe off the Adirondack chairs that were around the fire pit. I think he was told to clean off the chairs. But what was lost in translation was, I brought the cleaning product out and some paper towels, but then he disappeared. So maybe he was told to do it, but he didn't always do it. We we do that. There are times when we don't always get it right. And the obedience-disobedience issue is what we're talking about here today. There are two pieces. This message has a hinge like two that hinges on this door in terms of how this works today. First, I want to look at the character of disobedience, what it looks like, what it looks like. And in that, we find in the first three verses that disobedience try to, tries to ignore the claims of God, the claims of God that come to us. We try to ignore them. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah. Here's the task. Preach against it because its wickedness has come up before before me. But in verse three, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. If if it would be helpful in terms of geography, if you could picture the Mediterranean Sea and assume that Joppa is a point I mean, we know it's the departure point, but he goes to head for Tarshish. If if Jonah had listened to God. He would have had to make about a 500-mile journey to what is now Iraq, modern-day Iraq, and uh, um, Mosul. I think think they say that Nineveh was about where Mosul would be in Iraq, 500 miles. Instead, he goes to Tarshish, which is essentially going 1,500 miles the other way. So take your pick. You know, which way? You want to do a 500-mile trip? You want to do it? But he, he never gets to Tarshish. But the point is that he had the choice to go the shorter route. But the disobedience factor here is that he tries to ignore the claims of God. Now, if we were to stop and simply camp on that for a few minutes, what is, isn't that what our world is all about? when When it hears a message of the gospel in some way, they try to ignore it. It's, it. The application is true whether, and the implications are true whether it's, whether it's for a person who's a pre-Christian, somebody who has not quite come to the inside, as well as for a person who is a believer. For both groups, in other words, you can ignore the truth that comes to us and say, "Well, I don't mean, need that." That the religious people, you know, do that kind of thing. But it's true for us too, even as Christ followers. We we don't always obey. You know, we have this wonderful hymn that we used to sing, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And That's true. But we don't always do what we should be doing. Uh, Jonah had the honor to proclaim the truth of God, but his disobedience neutralized his effectiveness. It it moved, he chose to move in a different direction. The opportunity to be a herald of God and he chose to go a different direction so it neutralized his effectiveness and it gets him into a whole lot of other trouble. Disobedience tries to ignore the claims of God. Disobedience also ignores the need of men. Jonah was thinking that this whole business is more about him And what God had to say about him, then then he was thinking about those people in Nineveh. He lost track of the fact that they needed a savior. They needed the message of the gospel in in Old Testament terms. They need to hear this message about God. And he tried to ignore the needs of the people. He was aware from the challenge that God gave to him because it's wickedness had come up before me. And he thought, I don't want to have a lot to do with that. I might get Dirty, if I get involved with those people. I might be soiled in my heart or soul because those are wicked people. And he lost track of the needs of people around him. Disobedience also insists on its own way. That's the language of Jonah. He thought, He thought. I'm just going to go the other way. He ran away from the presence of the Lord, headed for Tarshish. Jonah thought a couple things. He thought he had a better way than God's way. He thought he had a better place to go, Tarshish, as opposed to Nineveh, and thought he had a better price to pay than the price that God was asking of him. And so he chooses to make a directional change. In in this first chapter, there's a, there's a progression that occurs. And the, the phrase <clears throat> comes up. He went down. He went down. Verse 3 says he went down to Joppa. Verse 4 says he went down into the hold of the ship. Verse 15 says he went down... Into the sea. Verse 17 says he went down into the belly of the great fish. Jonah's progression is a downward progression, and disobedience has that impact on us. You rarely, if ever, see someone going down when they are obedient. You find they are going down away from God when they are disobedient obedient. That's not a coincidence. Anytime you run from God, you never go up. You always go down. And it's practical implication for us. Jonah's problem was really never ultimately about Nineveh. His problem was always with God and his wrestling issue with who's going to be in charge? Who's going to be the one that I'm going to listen to? And when we dis when we decide to disobey God, there's always, there's always going to be a boat ready to take you somewhere else, whether it's the Tarshish or whatever it may be. So in the story it's the character of disobedience, and we see that Trying to ignore God doesn't work. Trying to ignore the needs of people doesn't work. Trying to insist on your own way does not work. The rest of the first chapter is also talking about something related to to disobedience, and it is the consequences of disobedience. Sometimes when we try to ignore God, we think we can minimize the consequence of the action. We think, yeah, it's no big deal. I'm just... I'm, I'm only hurting myself. But you find out that's not quite the story. There is a consequent impact on other people. Look at verse 12. The language of the scripture says, I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. You would think that... Jonah would say, well, this is my problem. Just throw me overboard. But he understands that there is a consequence of disobedience. My disobedience had an impact upon those other people. And it's, it, 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 it can do a couple different things. It can endanger lives. It's not a hard thing to find an application point. Pick, pick an issue. Pick a problem, and when you do something with negative freight that comes with it, it can have an attendant danger on other people. Um, I told you last week about my motorcycle guy that buzzed around the right side of me. You know, there are uh, there are times when people do those crazy kinds of things, and they end up in a pile, and the consequent Choice to move that way endangers them, other people as well, in process. So it it endangered the lives of these other sailors who were on the ship. And it also resulted in a lost opportunity that Jonah had to be of impact. And when you stop to think about it, you don't hear anything else about the sailors after that. That's all chapter one. You don't hear about it in 2, 3, 4. So he had the opportunity to be a positive impact, but because he was choosing to be disobedient and he knew the character of that and the consequence of it, it resulted in a lost opportunity. He had a message to proclaim. Look at that message, simple, simple message. Go to the great city, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now that's not the entirety of his message. We'll find out what the message looked like a little bit later on. In further chapters in chapter 3, when he goes and begins to describe and tell what the message is all about. But, but he's given the initial charge, but it's an impact upon other people. He lost the opportunity to be an impact person for God because he was moving in a direction and a realm of disobedience. There's also a consequent impact on you just like it was for Jonah. When we choose to be disobedient, it is possible, not always the case, but often the case, that you can experience a storm along the way, whatever that may be. And you you don't have to, this is not rocket science. You just pause and think for a moment about times when maybe you've chosen to disobey God and things didn't go as you thought. There was a consequence to your sin and it resulted in fractured relationship or or injury or harm to somebody else, even death. When you chose to go a particular direction, it's consequence. But it had an impact upon others, but it also has an impact upon you. You can experience a storm. The other thing that's true in this impact on you is you come under the searching hand of God. You see, Jonah tries to run away from God, but God is not able to be outrun. He is always coming after us. He is always looking to keep, uh, close to us. So, it's that searching hand of God. Uh, this is not, (laughs) Jonah's message is not, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You know, Jonah's message is, uh, Preach against it, for its sin has come up before me. Later on, third chapter, repent so many days and Nineveh is going to be destroyed. That's not God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's, That's a modern kind of thing. It was the truth. It was to be declared. But for Jonah, he was not in the place of obedience. So that searching hand of God kept after him to pull him back to himself. You also face the risk of a lost or wasted life. When you move in this realm of disobedience, it has an impact. It has a consequence upon you. Now, I'm not saying that every time you disobey God, your life's going to be totally lost. No, because he is so gracious and patience, patient and keeps coming after us. I, uh, I'll, I don't think I brought it with me today, uh, no, I didn't. But there is a there is a, an amazing poem called "The Hound of Heaven." If you've ever heard, it's it's amazing how he how God continues to pursue us, like 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 the hound after its prey, keep on keeping on. not not to not to destroy us, but to redeem us, to pull us back to Himself, to move us into the path of obedience instead of disobedience. and But yet, if, if you choose to make continuing bad choices, it may end up consequently in a life that's relatively wasted. You can think about what difference it would have made if I had obeyed God when, instead of lingering down this disobedience path. It makes a, a world of difference. And the other thing is, there is a consequent impact not only upon others and upon you, but there's a consequent impact upon God, and 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 it, it doesn't diminish God's ability to do what He wants. But down at verse 16, it says, "At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to Him." There's this, there's this, there's this awareness of this god of jonah they they, suddenly, they seem to be they seem to be one or more interested in this god of jonah they're crying on their other gods calling out you know and they suddenly realize that jonah's god is the one that's the powerful one here and he's the one that's causing the things to come upon him but but god still purposes to accomplish his glory even through the story of the first chapter in terms of these men uh, and Jonah uh, running from God and its impact and consequence upon uh, others around others around him on that journey. There, I guess there's there's a, f- a few practical application points I'd like to suggest. You know, it, it's the patience of God that allows us to run away. God doesn't robotically say, "This is what you're going to do. You have no choice. Do it." He gives us that free will, and we can, like Jonah, run the entire different direction than he wants us to go. It's his patience, however, that allows us to run away from God. It's the wisdom of God that provides a ship, all in the economy of God. It's the providence of God that sends a storm. It's the kindness of God that sends a great fish. All we might say, well, what a coincidence that all of this happened. At the, and again, we come back to the God incidence concept, that God is orchestrating some things. Uh, let me give you real quickly three application points. Uh, every step out of the will of God is a downward step. You don't disobey and go up. It goes down. Down to Joppa, down to the ship, down to the sea, down to the great fish. Another practical application is we can get away quickly, but getting back is a little slower process. It takes some work to get back. It's easy to go down. It's easy to get off the right path. It's easy to step or fall into sin. But the road back is difficult and sometimes painful. And Jonah had some time in the fish that he had to deal with. The other thing that I think is an application point is that even the enemy, or even Satan, can work through circumstances just like God can. Jonah would, Satan would have been delighted. And Jonah would have kept right on going. And the whole gang perished. And that way the messenger gets lost. And Nineveh gets lost. It's not able to be accomplished or fulfilled. So you have to be careful. No set of favorable circumstances can override what God clearly says for us to do. When he tells you what to do, you better do it. Down deep, he knew God's will. He just didn't want to do it. And so Jonah starts out on what, what you might describe as a ship of fools because he's moving in disobedience to God. So application point here today, how are we running? Are you running from his claim on your life in some way? Are you running from his call on your life? You know, we we, we hear the message of the gospel and you, you hear it and maybe your life is not where it needs to be and suddenly you realize that Jesus is the answer For my dilemma, he's the solution to my life journey. And he draws you to himself by the by the coaching, uh, wooing of his spirit to say, I want you to embrace me fully. I want you to love me. And sometimes we say, no, no, I don't want to do that right now. So but there are a couple things related to that. When he's working to pull us to himself, there seem to be two ways that's going to go. He's either going to work through you to accomplish his plan, or he's going to work in spite of you. Now, in this story of Jonah, we don't find God going after somebody else and saying, "Okay, Jonah, you chose not to do it. That's on you. Have at it. I'll go get so and so over here. I'll go get Micah. I'll go get Nahum. I'll go get Habakkuk. I'll, I'll go pick some other minor prophet, you know. I'll go get them if you're not going to listen. He keeps on keeping after us. And God's love is relentless, marvelously relentless like that. He keeps on keeping after us. And He doesn't want to work in spite of us, He wants to work through us. So, on a day like today, I would simply say, take a step back, look where you are, look where you're running, look where you're running, see if there's any advances that can be made for you in the journey in the right direction, not away from God, but to Him. There's an old hymn uh, that we used to sing, and it often was used as an invitational hymn. A uh, message to be preached. Maybe the truth would be powerful, palpable, and and God would be working. And we would sing sing a hymn like this. Almost persuaded. Almost persuaded now to believe. Almost persuaded Christ to receive. Seems now, my soul, to say, some more convenient day. Some more convenient day on thee I'll call. There's a haunting line in that that says almost persuaded almost but lost jonah is rescued god uses the fish next week we're going to look at prayer running to god and see what that prayer looked like for jonah and what truths are there for us but today it's an issue of where how are we doing on the obedience scale are we are we purposing to trust and obey and find the delight of God? Or are we saying some more convenient day on you all call? I got a better way. I got a better place. I got a better price. I'm going to stay where I'm at. I'm going to go the direction I want. Or are we going to turn to God?